Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. Today we look back on Max Homer's Riviera win and chat to the CEO of Bigger on why it's time to talk about Greenkeeper mental health. Hi guys, this is Ben Wiesberger and welcome to the Golf Monthly podcast. The Clubhouse is brought to you in association with Titleist, the number one ball in golf. For more, visit titleist.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. My name is Tom Clark and this week for a change, I'm joined by Elliot Heath. How are you doing, Elliot? Hello, Tom. Yeah, good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, all good. Not too bad. Looking out my window, there's no snow this week, which is good. All the snow is gone. It's got a little bit warmer, although it's greyed over a little bit at the moment. It looks like it might rain, but definitely some signs of spring in my garden uh, this weekend. So it feels like summer's approaching, doesn't it? Yeah, um, I, I know we're going to talk about mental health a little bit this this week. And I was, um, I wouldn't say I was struggling, but I, for the first time this weekend, I really felt bored, fed up, really missing golf and you know the exercise and socializing you get from it especially like the weather was gorgeous and um just stuck at home being bored it was uh, a bit of a struggle so um yeah i can i can see some nice weather on the horizon and uh some good news is coming today and um whenever you're listening to this i'm sure there'll be some good news Elliot, if you ever need something to do and you're bored at home, you can always come around here and help me paint my house because I need as much help as, as possible. I'm still painting it, so uh, I need all the help. Or you could or you could uh, do some weeding for me or cut my grass. So <laughs> if you ever do need something to do, just pop around. You're more than welcome. Um, Thanks for that. Socially distanced, of course. Um, no, it has, been, it has been a – it's just been – I mean, I don't know what week this is of our lockdown here in England. Um, I mean, I'm, other people listening to this, you may be listening to this in other parts of the UK. You may be listening to this in other parts of the uh, of the world. So I know everyone's in a slightly different um, situation, uh, but it has been really dragging along. Um, we do feel there's going to be some good news today. Reports are saying that golf will be back. And courses will be back in England on the 29th of March, which is still actually quite a long way away, isn't it? Um, which is a little bit frustrating. It's about five weeks away still. But we'll wait and see what the guys have to say. Um, also, of course, schools may be opening on the 8th of March, which my son's really excited about because that's also his birthday. So he's got a lovely birthday surprise of going back to school, but he's actually quite happy about it. So, um, no, it, it is it is tough, isn't it? And we'll, we'll wait and see what the... Uh, what the uh, the powers of be uh, come up with? It, it does seem a bit weird that golf won't be allowed to be played till the 29th of March if reports are correct. Where there seems to be other things coming out that maybe you can meet someone else in a park and sit with them on a bench, or and also really schools going back. It doesn't seem to really marry up, but there's a lot of plate spinning, and I'm not sure how um, how much the government is concentrating on golf. To be honest with you, but. Um, We'll, we'll have to wait and see in it, won't we? What's the first thing? Okay, if 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 we do say that March 29th is the day when we can go and, and hit some golf ball somewhere, what's the first thing you're going to go and do? Are you going to go to range first? Or are you going to go straight to club? What are you going to try and do? Uh, we'll be going to the driving range that evening. I think it's a Monday, unless um, my bosses at Golf Monthly allow me the day off. <laughs> but um, What, to play yeah. golf? 
you, you... Yeah. <laughs> but I, I probably get in there quite quickly because I reckon that might be quite a busy day for people taking off. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to going to the range with my girlfriend again, start coaching her. She's um, got the Cobra King F9 Speedback Driver, brand new, bought it off the internet for 250 quid. And it arrived about two days after lockdown. So oh, no. it's uh, brand spanking new. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing her hit that. And um, yeah, just getting out in the evening on the range, put the phone away and just, yeah, clearing your head, I guess. And then basically that Saturday, we'll get the four ball in if we're allowed. And uh, just, yeah, see my dad, see some friends I haven't seen in a while, play some amazing golf. And yeah, just rekindle my love for the sport. <laughs> Well, that, that, I think that's a, I think that's a really good positive thought to hold on to as well. If 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 you're feeling down, or if anyone's feeling down, you know, I know it's it is still going to be five weeks away or whatever, but it's five weeks. You know, that time will hopefully go by quite quickly, and um, hopefully people will be able to go out and enjoy themselves and see their friends and family, which they maybe haven't seen for a while. So, um, you know, it's it is a very tough time at the moment, and um, we'll just have to stick with it. Uh, hopefully we can help you entertain yourselves and give you all your golf fix as well here at Golf Monthly because uh, we're all going through the same thing. Um, yeah, but what I, about you then, Tom? What's the first thing I'm going to do with golf-wise? Yeah, obviously we had some good swing changes last year. Um, played golf for you a couple of times and uh, I remember you actually won at Prince's, didn't you, the last time we played? I did. Maybe I should retire. I don't know. But um, no, I... I, I I started going to the range again for the first time in quite a long time, several years, and uh, I was enjoying it. I also want to get my, take my I haven't taken my son to the range either, and I was just thinking about because I was starting to go there and he'd never done it. So, you know, he's a, he's about to turn five, so I think it's probably a good time for him to go down there um, and have a go if he wanted to. So that's yeah, that's something I really want to try and do this this summer when I'm able to do it. Um, and also that gives me an excuse to go and hit some balls myself as well, doesn't it? So, um, yeah, that's what I think. I'm, I'm more interested in trying to go to the range, enjoy myself a bit, and then I'll play as much golf as I can throughout the summer, which is usually not that much because I'm usually playing cricket anyway. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm just looking forward to being able to have that option to, to make the decision myself, to be honest with you. That's the, uh, you know, don't not to be told what I can and can't do, which I'm sure everybody is is a bit fed up with but um no looking looking forward to it um and we've already touched on it um already about mental health and also about golf courses you know they're going to be opening up and Elliot you spoke to bigger CEO Jim Croxton uh just last week and you discussed a couple of really interesting things firstly what kind of condition golf courses are going to be in obviously people haven't been allowed out on them obviously some green keepers have been furloughed and things like that we don't know if they're going to be in mint condition or actually, they may be in really spectacular condition because they've had a, they've had some time off to um, recover, where, which they usually wouldn't have. But also, you spoke to him about the um, seriousness of greenkeeper mental health as well. And I know that they've done a survey and uh, got some information about that as well. So, Elliot, we're going to listen to you uh, talking to Jim now. Hi, Jim, CEO of the British and International Golf Greenkeepers Association, Jim Croxton, that is. Um, right, so I wanted to ask you, firstly, about what condition golf courses will be in, uh, particularly in England, Wales, Northern Ireland, post-lockdown. This is after I've seen comments from some golfers perhaps saying that they're pleased that their course has been rested during the winter months. Um, and I, I just don't know, is that raising their expectations a bit too high there? Um, I hope not. Um, I think 
uh, we've got to put all this in in context really so if over the last uh, what are we what are we now six weeks into this current lockdown lockdown three if golf had been allowed I know plenty of golf courses that would have only been open a handful of days in the last six weeks because I live up in the northwest it's it's really not stopped raining you know every every family walk we go on is across muddy fields etc now golf courses are better drained than than public footpaths as a rule but you know a lot of places have been under snow or or heavy rain so um i think golfers need to consider the the weather conditions we've had for the last couple of months before they really start thinking about anything else um the rest will therefore definitely have done some good um golf courses will be in better condition because they've been closed than if they'd have been open and continued to be battered with a lot of golfers um but i think we've got to remember that if we do get playing golf again next month it still is only march you know it's it's pre the masters and golf courses will still be in their kind of winter clothes i would say yeah so what has uh, the greenkeepers work schedules been like i mean last time we spoke probably april time the weather was obviously very good and we had high expectations but uh, yeah it's been pretty awful the last few months yeah and when we did last speak we were in there was a huge amount of unknowns um we had made the decision along with the RNA to to recommend uh, what we called essential maintenance which was to restrict the amount of maintenance that was that was predominantly on on two grounds one was safety because we we needed to make sure that all people and that included our members that were still doing some kind of um in inverted commas essential work they weren't key workers but but golf courses needed managing um that they were safe and so we felt that we need to restrict the amount of work that was taking uh, taking place um that went really well we've had literally zero uh, cases of, of transmission of the disease in greenkeeping workplaces in fact the sport of golf has come out really well in terms of um of, of that side of things as well there, there have been effectively as far as i can tell no recorded cases of of people catching the disease through some kind of involvement in golf which is really good news um and and i hope that means that when we're allowed to play again that safety continues once once golf courses reopen back in i guess may across the different territories in the uk the the boom in golf was extraordinary um we've managed to quantify that we've done some work with sports marketing surveys and essentially the average golf course was seeing a thousand extra rounds per month from may through october last year and if you break that down that's 30 odd extra golfers a day which is a couple of t- couple of hours of tee off times more every day but if you think about what a thousand rounds of golf is that's that's 12 million footsteps um per month on the golf course that weren't otherwise going to take place um i don't know how good a golfer you are elliot I- i'm a pretty poor one i'm going to make 15 20 divots per round um which means i'm going to make that that means in a month there's going to be an extra 15 20 000 divots on the golf course and probably an extra 10 12 000 pitch marks on the golf course and if you if you combine that with the fact that with with all those extra golfers there is less maintenance opportunity, you're basically seeing golf courses that that have the capacity to be a little worn out. Um, and so lockdown two, uh, which I know sort of happened across you know, different times in different areas of the country, and then this one, have provided a number of clubs with the opportunity to go and do some really important renovation maintenance. I've seen a lot of work taking place on things like pathways. Um, and surrounds of greens and obviously green work but um, we also know that that as of right now our, our most recent survey suggests that on average golf courses still have three members of staff furloughed so if you take the average across our clubs of being around six members of staff you're seeing most clubs working with about half their team so I know that a lot of clubs did some fairly major project work as soon as the lockdown began they tried to get stuff done 
um, because they knew they were going to have a few weeks at this. But right now, it's usually a limited and smaller team that's actually doing the work. And and I wouldn't say they're ticking over. That's unfair. Some clubs are still working nearly flat out because they they, they feel it's the right thing to do for their members when, when we do get the chance to return. Right. So, yeah, you, you're um, privy to all the, the stats and knowledge. Can you explain just how bad the last winter's been? Obviously, we've had flooding, lots of snow, and uh, especially last week, ridiculously cold temperatures. Yeah, that was interesting. I mean, uh, greenkeepers quite like cold temperatures because it it does um, some pretty, you know, it kills off a few things. It stops things growing. It can be quite a good uh, thing. I think a lot of our guys like it when there's a really good hard frost. I think it, it's something that they think brings some value um, in the longer term to their turf. I haven't got data in my fingertips in terms of the amount of rainfall. Uh, um, uh, and obviously that varies place to place. I live in a pretty wet part of the country, but I know that um, the feedback we're getting from all of our members is that a lot of golf courses are as wet as they've ever been. I've seen quite a lot of people doing some serious drainage work in these last few weeks as well. Um, I think if you think back to uh, this time last year, interestingly, the sort of the rounds played data shows that the first quarter of 2020 was well below the previous three or four years. We had a very, very wet and very miserable start to 2020 and, we, and we've had it again um i think rounds played would have been quite high because there are so many of us have just got the golfing bug back and it's one of the few things that we've been able to do um so in that respect it's probably been a little bit of a godsend for for all bar the very very free draining coastal courses um to have had this closure and i know that um i, I sit on on uh, the all-party parliamentary group for golf with all of the other sort of industry bodies and you know the big topic has been you know how disappointed all the various industry bodies are with you know with the lockdown taking place it's 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 bad news for the sport or whatever else and i've had to sit on my hands a little bit because you know the majority of our members are, are relatively pleased that they've been able to get some work done and give the golf course a rest we don't live in a bubble you know we obviously need our golf clubs to be to be turning over some cash and making some money for, for their jobs to be secure in the first place um but it's, you know, I think when we look back in a few years' time, winter 2020-21 won't be a vintage one in terms of, you know, the, the weather we've had for golf courses. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you recently conducted a survey at Bigger about um, how greenkeepers were working, finances and um, mental health as well, I believe, if you could just talk about that. Yeah, we're keen to understand. I think, I mean, mental health is, is is quite rightly very high on people's agenda these days, particularly in this in this crisis, which I think is affecting everybody's mental health to an extent because we've got worry about <clears throat> whether it's ourselves, whether it's our jobs and finances, whether it's our family members. We've certainly seen an upturn in the amount of our members who are concerned about either their own or their colleagues' mental health. We've quantified that a little bit. Um, to give you an idea uh, from the from the first responders in, and we've we've had a pretty good sample already. Over twenty five percent of our members uh, have significant concerns around around their own mem uh, mental health, and, and a further forty percent, um, you know, concerned a bit. You know, they've certainly had some mental health challenges. The the bigger number, which I'm I'm not hugely surprised about, if you take the average team being around five or six greenkeepers, then over eighty percent of our course managers have concerns about the mental health of one or more of their team. Um, some of this is, is stress related in terms of can they manage their golf course? Are they going to have a secure, you know, job? Um, uh, you know, is this rain ever going to stop, etc. But other ones are, are much more broad that actually, you know, life is pretty tough for a lot of people at the moment. Um, uh, and, and I mean, you know, for millions around the country as we, as we sort of battle with the uncertainty. Um, 
so that that I think we focused bigger on mental health pretty hard for for four or five years now, and and, and I, I wanted to ask these questions this time around to make sure that we were still still right to do so, and it and it's very much confirmed that um, that that working on the mental health of our members is is really important. Yeah, I've never really thought about that to be honest. I probably would say golfers don't to be honest. Well, like obviously we all stress about our jobs, our emails or deadlines or whatever, but I guess greenkeepers have hundreds of people that are scrutinizing their work and expecting very high things of them. Yeah, and I, I think the really interesting thing that, that I, I think I knew this before I started working for Bigger, but it's certainly been reconfirmed. I, I'm a golfer, um, a very poor one these days, but like you, like you're a golfer and I have my views. Every time I play a golf course, I'll have my own views on it. Um, I've never met a greenkeeper who is less passionate about the quality of his golf course than anybody who plays it. I'm not convinced that golfers recognize how passionate about the golf course greenkeepers are. Whenever you talk to a greenkeeper, they always talk about my course, my course this, my course the other. It's personal to them. It's the piece of land that they're charged with managing. Uh, and they take it incredibly personally. So anything that, that adversely affects the golf course, um, you know, is d does take its toll. Um, the other thing that I think is is a, is a flaw in our membership, I think, and, and listen, Elliot, you, you produce work, and, and if you stick something out on social media and you get 50 comments and 48 are positive, that's pretty good. But if two guys think it's the worst thing they've ever read, yeah, you're going to, th those are going to stick in your mind. And that's what happens in golf. You know, you'll get 100 guys play a golf course and, and 90 plus really enjoyed it and said either nothing or positive things. But one guy who complains about the pace of the greens or the, whatever it might be, that's the comment that, that tends to stick. And, you know, we all know this. We all know we, we spend far more energy than we should do on the negative comments and not on what are usually far more numerous positive ones. But our guys definitely take these things to heart. And that's where the sort of mental health pressure can build up. Greenkeeping, one of its benefits over the last 12 months, it is it, it's quite a solitary um, occupation. You know, you, you come together in the yard, you get your equipment or whatever else is, and you tend to be going to doing most of the jobs on your own. And if you look at the all the information around particularly the prevalence of, of, of severe mental health challenges in, in men, it is amongst people who spend a lot of time on their own in a working environment. Um, so these are, these are important things that are important to us. We've done a lot of work to try and raise the awareness of this. We've got a lot of support activity around for our members. And I have to say, I'm really pleased that when our members have, have spoken about this, usually within their employment situation, not necessarily to the golfers, you know, it's not really the golfers' individual concern, but to their employers, I'm really pleased with how well most employers have responded to this and understand this and, and have put support methods in place. It's not always the case. I'm, I'm sad to say that some golf clubs have, have handled this pretty badly and have ended up in some pretty unpleasant situations, but it is very much the minority. Wow, that was fascinating, Jim. Um, really fascinating. I, I guess my earlier message that just how passionate the greenkeepers are and, and anybody that's passionate about something, you know, that gives you the opportunity to have a pretty large range of emotion. Um, so I, I think that's a really important message. I mean, the last 11 months or so have proven that um, without golf courses, golf clubs are nothing. And, and I know that's a pretty obvious and, and fairly glib statement. But, you know, a lot of clubs have functioned for the last 11 months or so with hardly any clubhouse facilities, hardly any pro shop facilities. I used to work for the PGA. I'm really, I'm really sad for the PGA side of the business, you know, which is, which is a crucial part of golf. But in the end, golf is about playing golf on, on some turf. 
Um, and I think that's thrown the spotlight on our members uh, in a really positive way, but has also naturally increased the pressure because with more golf comes, you know, com becomes more challenges. And so I think my key hope for this is that at the end of all this, or, or even, you know, while we're still midway through, there is an a sort of a, a, an increased appreciation of the work that greenkeepers do and the challenges they face in doing it. And generally, golfers are, are pretty, you know, they're pretty good with this, but that doesn't always filter through to the people that actually end up working face to face with our members, the guys on greens committees or the or the, the general managers, etc. We've got to make sure that, that that balance between the passion that the greenkeeper puts in and the appreciation of the side is well known. It doesn't mean that we're above criticism, don't get me wrong. You know, when, when things don't go right, it, it needs to be made uh, sort of pointed out. But I think we need to remember that that is often taken very very personally in the same way as i say you know if you if you write a piece you're proud of and someone doesn't like it that can sometimes hurt can't it <laughs> yeah wow right um changing the subject anyway i've seen lots of job advertisements on the bigger twitter page does that mean that the industry's in a very good shape uh, obviously golf is booming there's loads of golfers is it a, a good time for greenkeepers as well um it's probably better than I thought it would be. So a year ago or nearly a year ago, we did a similar survey at the outset of the sort of first lockdown and asked about furloughing and what did what did people think would be the long term impact on their team? And I think the general feeling was that was that greenkeeping teams would reduce in size. Um, and, you know, this is what happens in a, in a recession. And we're obviously going to have some economic impacts. I think because golf has been so successful and clubs haven't been as financially impacted as they perhaps thought they would be. Some some that rely heavily on tourism, some that rely heavily on um, the you know, clubhouse revenue and, and, and driving range revenue have been impacted. But the majority of courses are probably better than they thought they could be. It has meant that greenkeeping teams have not reduced in size as much as we feared. There has still been a fairly significant number of um, either redundancies or the sort of more natural reduction where somebody retires or leaves and isn't replaced. We're now in February, which is about when we'd normally see an increase in you know jobs on the market. Some through the domino effect, somebody leaves for a job, which creates a role a gap, which which then is filled and creates another gap. And some just because people tend to have a smaller team in the winter than they would perhaps look to have in the summer and are trying to increase that. I think we're in a better position than we than we expected, and that and that's that's the same worldwide. I was on a call recently with with most of the associations across Europe and and membership numbers of the associations have held up probably a little better than we expected. So there you go. Uh, welcome back. Uh, that was Elliot speaking to Jim Croxon, the bigger CEO. Um, really interesting thoughts there from Jim. Um, and those those results from that survey were were interesting, obviously also very worrying, aren't they? Yeah, very worrying. Um, like you said there, it was only the not the start, but you did have a good data set, but we will um, get the full results soon and we'll have a story on the Golf Monthly website about that. But yeah, I mean, it's probably not, not a surprise, I guess, in this day and age with the stresses of modern life and this pandemic as a whole. But yeah, when you think about it, as a greenkeeper, you've got a, a member base probably of three to 600 people, something like that, that are expecting great things of you, some of whom probably aren't shy about giving you criticism and then you've got bad weather um, and things out of your control and when yeah like you're saying there greenkeepers do refer to to their golf club as my course my club um, 
and yeah, it's personal. And, and when things aren't quite going as well as they perhaps want to, it's not just them that they probably feel like, not they're letting down, but um, yeah, it probably does weigh very heavily on them. And uh, as well, what Jim was saying there about it being quite a solitary job, like a lot of greenkeepers will um, meet up with their colleagues at the start of the day and then just go go off on their own for a few hours. And yeah, it's not something that we really think about, but I think it's definitely worth highlighting. I think Jim and Bigger are definitely right to do that. And hopefully we can raise awareness. Um, yeah, maybe thank your greenkeeper a bit more when you see him, uh, understand what they're going through. Because, yeah, it's clearly a very tough and mentally straining job. Yeah, I think that's very well put. And I do think, especially when we come out of lockdown, you know, I think people need to make sure that they, the first thing that they do, they do is, is moan. We don't, we, we don't want that, do we? We don't want the first thing for people to, to go out when they hit their golf courses to start moaning about the state of the course or how, uh, how the greens are running or something like that. You know, I think there's people just could get on with it and play and, and just enjoy themselves and actually um, hopefully be positive and, and thankful to the guys that have been able to keep their course in order if they have been able to um, so that they can actually get out there and play at the end of March as they can. I really think that's something we maybe we should really start trying to back, you know, being positive, just going out and enjoying themselves, not uh, not worrying about things too much, which I know people do, do sometimes. Um, and you're right, it's a very solitary job. Uh, being a greenkeeper, one of my uh, one of my good friends and someone who I play cricket with, he's a greenkeeper, head greenkeeper somewhere, and uh, you know I know it's it's a tough life. You know that you are expected to hit certain standards, and that's not always easy, especially at the moment. So um, be thinking of them all, and um, let's hope that uh, we all get out there. That the weather's kind. We don't have any more snow um, in most parts of the country anyway, and um, that the, the golf courses are looking great and everyone can enjoy them and have a great summer. And let's hope for the, some good sunny weather as well. There was some very sunny weather over in LA at the weekend and at Riviera where the PJ Tour had a fantastic tournament. It's my, been my favourite tournament of the year so far. Um, and Max Homer beat Tony Finau in a playoff to win his second PGA Tour title. Homer shot a final round of 66 and then won on the second playoff hole after a Finau bogey. The American is up to career high, 38th in the world. Finau has now had 42 top 10s since his last win, and he also has had three runner-up finishes in a row. Uh, we also saw Tiger Woods in the commentary booth, and he spoke a little bit about the Masters. But before we talk about Tiger Woods, um, let's talk about, firstly, let's just say Max Homer. I thought he played very well and was very impressive, wasn't he? Yeah, brilliant. I tipped him on the podcast last week, and I tipped him on the website as well at 50 to 1. So first winner of the year, which, uh, yeah, very, very happy about. I know probably most of this country were well, and the world were rooting for Tony Finau, but I was actually very happy to see Homer win because of that. And yeah, I kind of always thought he was going to win on that front line. He looked so composed. He looked so confident. He was putting really well. He's an LA boy himself. So um, this is basically his masters. It was, it was a, essentially a major for him. And um, yeah, he got the job done really impressively. I mean, he didn't, Buckle under pressure in such a strong field, you have to say, it's very, very impressive for a guy who probably hasn't reached his peak yet and just continues to improve. I mean, you say he didn't buckle under pressure, which he didn't, 
but he did miss a tiddler on the 72nd hole <laughs> to win it. Yeah, that's right, true. didn't he? I mean, it was a, it was unfortunate. I mean, it was a, it was an unfortunate lip out. I mean, he got a lot of the hole, uh, but he should have held that. You know, it was a, it was a what a four footer, five footer. I think it was even shorter than that, to be honest. But yeah, he, he did all the hard work in the day. To be fair to him. And I, I, I had money on Tony Finau, and I think I mentioned last week, I'm a big Tony Finau fan, and I'm going to continue to back him until he wins, which could be a long time. And so I was I was, I was, was gutted, to be honest with you, because he had a, a couple of opportunities. I thought he actually played very well and, and kept it together very well uh, on, in the final round. But he had that... When you see that, when you see where the T-shirts, T-shots, sorry, were after, the, on the first playoff hole, so Finau has hit a fantastic, it's a risk-reward par four. He said it's short left, perfect place to chip up onto the green and get close uh, on the, to the pin. Homer is by a tree. You know, he's right up by a tree. And you look, if you just looked at those two, uh, you know, those two drives, you think, well, there's only one winner here. Uh, Homer managed to miraculously get it onto the green in the two part and Finau misses what was a very makeable birdie putt to win and then kind of made a bit of a mess of the of the next hole, didn't he? So yeah, it was it was frustrating, but for all the Finau fans, and as you say, he's had three second places in a row. It's ridiculous, isn't it? And I feel like that was his I really thought that was going to be I thought it was going to be his week because he was coming through the field. I thought, you know, he's he's not actually going to realise he's actually at the top of the field and he's just going to go through and and maybe birdie that final hole. You know, he didn't he didn't he had his moments. He just couldn't quite go over the line, could he? And uh, fair play to Homer, he stuck with it. And you know, he should have won in in normal normal holes, shouldn't he? But um, yeah, I just oh, I, I gutted. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, I was just gutted for him. Yeah, I think you have to say that it was. Um... Max Homer's day. Uh, he was destined to win, and you know, Finau finished with a 64, I think. Uh, and he's got some huge tournaments coming up. He spoke about that afterwards with a smile on his face. He's obviously um, maybe not quite heartbroken, but very disappointed. And yeah, he's got a WGC this week. He's got the Players Championship uh, in two or three weeks as well, and he's in the form of his life. So he just has to keep his foot down on the pedal, keep confident and surely he's going to get over the line soon. And he's got he's got the kind of game which he can actually play well almost on any course, hasn't he? So he's he's such a good ball striker. Um and actually he's his short game is very solid as well. So um uh yeah, let's let's hope he gets over the line. I really hope he gets a big win um, in the near future. I feel really sorry. What do you think of um Sam Burns? Obviously, I was going to uh, mention Sam Burns who who was very good throughout the the week wasn't he? He he played very well. Just stuttered on that final day when the peer pressure came on him. I thought he was gonna. Um, did you see his tee shot, which was charging out of bounds and somehow ricocheted off the trees and stayed in bounds? I'm not sure if you saw it, but yeah, I really yeah thought, that was very lucky, wasn't it? On like uh, twelve, I think that is. That yeah, when that happened, I was like, oh, it's his day then. But actually, he, he finished a shot back, didn't he, from the playoff guys? But he he was again uh, someone who I thought was very impressive. Yeah, I mean when you're t- I think he's, is he 21? Is he that young? Or he might be a little bit older. But when you haven't won a tournament on the PGA Tour before, you really don't want a five-stroke lead after 36 holes at Riviera. I mean, yeah, it must have just been such a mental battle for him being that far ahead so early. Um, And, yeah, I wasn't really surprised to see him uh, come off the rails a little bit. 
but it's a mental game, isn't it? A sport at that level, it's uh, it's all in the head. I remember Max Homer actually said he was trying to play like Tiger Woods, just hit to the middle of the greens. I think Burns will um, only be better for this weekend. I think he was um, 54-hole leader in Houston as well. He played in the final group at Torrey Pines as well. So, yeah, he's uh, surely got quite a good future ahead of him. The best, uh, the best quote from the weekend was Max Homer afterwards. I don't know if you if you saw this, where he said, um, um, "I saw." He's a big Tiger fan, like a lot of people are his age. He goes, "I saw Tiger, and I was too scared to go and talk to him uh, before the tournament." Um, but now he's about to go and present me with a trophy, so he, he was all happy. So uh, it, it shows the Tiger effect, doesn't it? And uh, Tiger was obviously hosting the event. And he appeared in the commentary booth, as they do with these kind of things, um, with a few holes to go. And he had a few bits of information about how his um, health is looking. He said he's feeling okay, but he's not sure when he's going to return. They asked him, um, Jim Nance asked him, will you be at the Masters? And he said, I want to be at the Masters, but it's not down to me. It's going to be down to my doctors and all the people looking after him. Um, so what do we think? Are we positive? Or do you think we're going to see Tiger anytime soon? I'm not sure. To be honest with you, as soon as I saw him, I thought he doesn't look right. His uh, his eyes didn't look right. So um, I don't know if he's been struggling with his sleep or, or, or anything like that, but he just looked really tired and, um, yeah, not quite fully fit. So uh, I'd be surprised if he tees it up at Augusta. I think he said... He's going to have an MRI scan and then he's going to know more. But, um, yeah, it doesn't look really good to me. Yeah, um, I think, what do well, you think? Yeah, no, I think you're right. He didn't look quite right, but he's obviously just had surgery on his back quite recently. So, um, there's no doubt. Let's, I think we've just got to make sure he doesn't rush it. I think he's a couple of said it goes, you know, I've only got one back. And I think he said something like, this is my, this is its last chance or something like that. You know, I don't think it can take much more. Um, you know, he's, he's obviously had a lot of operations which he probably wouldn't have had had he not been a golfer you know if he was just an orps i know i know the problems because of golf as well sometimes but um i think if he'd just been a a non-sportsman and he was just wandering around or even if he was now if he was decided to retire you know i don't think he would have had the operations on his back that he had so um i think we just keep an eye on him but he was around he was spotted and he wasn't ruling anything out which i think is is a positive isn't it yeah, I mean, um, don't get me wrong. Like, obviously, if if Tiger's in the field, it's a new level of excitement. And if he's playing well as well, I get excited more than anything. The the golfing public goes crazy. The TV coverage goes through the roof. But at the moment, I'm not really sure the game's missing him. I think when you look down the world rankings and, and all the big names that we've got at the moment, I think the game's in a really good spot. And... Um, yeah, I'm not really too bothered about Tiger. I just want him, yeah, take his time. As long as he comes back when he's ready, then go for it. But I wouldn't say I'm desperate for him to play at Augusta or or desperate for him to rush back. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. And um, yeah, we want to keep seeing Tiger for several years to come, no doubt. So uh, let's hope uh, he takes it easy and he comes back when he's ready. So he won't be playing this week at the WGC Workday Championship at the Concession in Florida. The event has been moved from the much-loved uh, event in Mexico City. Uh, Patrick Reed is defending champion. 
and he also won this event back in 2014 when it was hosted at Doral. The course was designed by Jack Nicholas alongside Tony Jacklin and gets its name from the Nicholas conceded two-footer at the 1969 Ryder Cup and guaranteed the first tie in Ryder Cup history. McElroy, or the Rory variety, who missed his first cut in 18 months last week, could complete the WGC Slam if he wins this week. So, what are we what are we going to be expecting? I don't really know anything about this course, to be honest, other than it's got quite a funny name. Um, going to miss Chapultepec in Mexico City. That was a brilliant venue, and uh, I'd love to see it go back there. Um, to be fair, it's probably been one of the best events of the season, I would say, the, the WGC Mexico. So, disappointing to miss out on that. Yeah, I don't really know much about this golf course, so should be really interesting to watch it. I mean, I don't love WGCs. I think events like the Genesis, the Arnold Palmer Bay Hill, those kind of invitational events are are perhaps a little bit better. But um, yeah, it's big week, isn't it? Big field. Um, be interested to see how Rory goes. I mean, he can't miss the cut this week because there isn't one. <laughs> and yeah, it'd be great to see him win this WGC slam. That'd be um, a, a great achievement. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, I've looked at, I've seen a couple of photos. It looks pretty interesting. I mean, it's quite very American. There's a lot of water. Um, there's a, you know, I think it will have a bit of teeth. Bryce DeChambeau won the 2015 NCAA Championship at the concession, just so you know. Um, so he's maybe one to remember. And he won, he beat C.T. Pan, who I don't actually know if it's in the, in the field, but he beat C.T. Pan by one shot at that time. So, um, yeah, Bryson has got some memories there already. Who do you think is going to do well then? I know it's very hard to say about, the, you know, about a golf course, which we don't really know much. But what form-wise, who do you like the look of? Form-wise, I think we'll go for Victor Hovland. I mentioned him last week and he finished fifth. Uh, he's on a fantastic run of form as is Tony Finau, but Victor Hovland is probably second to Finau at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to see him do well. Hovland, you can get 25 to 1. Um, Finau, if anyone's interested, he's good for each way money most of the time. Uh, you get him at 20 to 1. And Bryson is 20 to 1, which is pretty long, really, isn't it? For someone who's who's had so much success over the last year. And has obviously actually he has won there as well. So I think that's pretty pretty lengthy, isn't it? Yeah, I've I've actually tipped him on the betting tips last week, and he missed the cut by miles. But obviously, this is going to be a very different golf course, much uh, wider, you would imagine. And he's got good form there. So yeah, um, he's he's in good form really. If you look in his last sort of five starts, I would love to see a European Tour player win this week, or, or at least go well, because. Obviously, this is a European Tour sanctioned event, a WGC, and the likes of Westwood, Hodgegaard, um, all sorts of European Tour players. Even um, some like Laurie Cantor, who's been in the form of his life the last six months. And this is going to be a very strong field for him, but um, it'd be good to see someone from the European Tour go well. I think uh, I think that's right, and I think Till Hatton is the one that you need to. We need to really. Obviously, he's in, been in fantastic form. He's twenty to one as well, which I think is also a little bit long. He's been one of the form players in the whole world, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, one of the best in the world. Uh, top five at the moment. I think. Exactly. He was last week anyway. He might have dropped out. He is currently world number five. He's world number five yeah, for a reason. Go. You know, he's world number five for a reason. He's 
fit, you know, he's sick for his last tournament in Saudi. He won the Abu Dhabi a couple of weeks before that. You know, he's a very, very solid player. And I feel 20 to 1 is, is very long for him, um, to be honest with you. You know, Rory, who hasn't won, he's, he's, he's much shorter, obviously, 14 to 1, 15 to 1, around that. Dustin Johnson is, of course, the favourite, around 6 to 1. So um, there's a lot of decent odds out there because of the because of the big names who are who are in play so do check them out and as you, as elliot said the betting tips will be out on the site uh, on tuesday so do check them out and um have a look to see who we fancy and uh, and whether you'd uh, like to back them as well there is another event as well this week uh, on the there is actually a pj tour event at the puerto rico open which has got a very interesting field very european heavy field actually talking of europeans we've got thomas peters matt wallace ian poulter Tom Lewis, to name a few. So that could be an interesting event, couldn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, did, uh, I think Hovland won this event last year and he's obviously not defending now he's in the big leagues. Um, this was also Tony Finau's last win five years ago. Yeah, good little event. Got a nice bit of history now. Um, so hopefully we get to see a bit of that on Sky. I, I don't know what the broadcast schedule is going to be, but... Um, yeah, a very nice field with lots of Wallace, Poulter, Peters, um, Brandon Grace as well, I see. So, yeah, should be good. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, hopefully a load of golf to watch whilst we're all waiting for lockdown to end. Uh, so, great bits of uh, golf to, to, and to keep us entertained. And hopefully we will continue to entertain you as well. You can tune in next week for an exclusive interview with Ryder Cup star and five-time European Tour winner Tommy Fleetwood. Please, of course, leave us a review if you listen on Apple Podcasts and remember to subscribe to the Clubhouse on your usual provider. And as always, you can follow us on social media. Check out at Golf Monthly on Instagram and Twitter and Golf Monthly Magazine on Facebook. We've had a very, very big Facebook post happen over the weekend uh, around Rudy Giuliani's comments around Michelle Wee. So do check out our Facebook post to find out more about that. And of course, you can see the post itself at our website, Golf Monthly. Com. That will have all the latest news from the world of golf. So until next week, where we'll be hearing from Tommy Fleetwood, you'll also be hearing from Elliot again. Elliot, you're going to be more positive next week, do you reckon? What do you reckon? You're going to be dreaming about golf? Putting in the living room? <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I really do hope so. I'll, uh, yeah, I don't think I'll be doing any putting, but um, I might be dreaming about it every now and then. So, Until then, it's been great speaking, and we'll speak to you again next week. <laughs>